0: Guys, we need to begin tonight with a couple of quick announcements. Um, First of all, maybe you've already seen this on GOL, but you know that the the clocks uh, change this coming Sunday. So uh, you spring forward, so that means you lose an hour. So you sleep one hour less. And then um, in addition to that little um, challenge, there's another challenge that there is a race. You remember that spring race that they have around here every year, and it always clogs things up. We had kind of a little scene here last year uh, that I caused, um, <laughs> um, but it, ultimately uh, I, I went to the city administrator, and and he received me very well, and took me straight to the uh, chief of police, where I was fingerprinted. Um, <clears throat> he took me to the chief of police, <clears throat> whose name, by the way, is Richard Hall, um, and he was very gracious and very kind. And they have changed the route of the race just a bit. Um, and and here's here's what you need to know, if you're coming from the west, you should have no trouble. They've they've cleaned out that that lane, the northernmost lane on uh, the, the road here will be free to enter the church. Okay, if you're coming from the east, you're still going to have problems um, crossing the. Um, no, no, I didn't either. Coming from the west, okay, yeah, I did. Uh, if you're <laughs> If you're coming from that way, uh, you're still going to have problems crossing the the runners, the running traffic, so they won't let you, you know, uh, come across until you've, um, until they've thinned out, so um, anyway, so uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to get up a little bit earlier, and I'm going to go over the poplar, and and then and then I'm going to come right in from the west and avoid all the mess, so. (laughs) I'm coming from the west. I, I, <laughs> whatever that direction is, that's where I'm coming from. Okay, all right. Now that we've uh, known, figured out that, we're, that he's uh, geographically challenged. Um, also, we're going to finish up the uh, Apostles' Creed tonight, Lord willing. That's why I've asked for a minute or two more. There's a lot to cover tonight. There really is. There's three big um, clauses and hunks of truth in here that we want to go over and, and not neglect. But when I get back, there's about six weeks or so that is left in my um, uh, <coughs> Wednesday night teaching time You know, they give me the summers off. So um, what I'm going to do is something that should be of interest to all of you. I've got a course that I was originally going to teach as a GG course. But then I lost my voice in January. So the title of the course is, How Did Gender Become a Controversy? So we'll spend several weeks on how did gender ever become controversial. That's what we'll do for those, those six weeks once I get back. And it'll be a couple in uh, April and four in May and... Really, how did gender ever get so controversial? We'll talk about it. Tonight, we, um, we close out with the last three of the, the assertions that we make as believers. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Three rich truths that are very important to all of us. Forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So let's... Um, Without any further chit-chat, get uh, right in there. Gang, uh, the most prized possession of the Christian is forgiveness of sin. But forgiveness, I I think, is somewhat um, often taken a little bit too lightly. Uh, Forgiveness presupposes guilt. You're not guilty of anything. You don't need any forgiveness. Forgiveness presupposes guilt, and guilt... Presupposes law. Something has to be violated for people to be guilty so that they can be forgiven. Guilt arises from a transgression of a boundary. A boundary established by law. Guilt arises from a failure to conform to prescribed law. Now guys, I want you to see this, and so if you've got a Bible or a phone, and you can find Colossians 2, um, this is one of the sweetest, most succinct statements of the gospel, I think, and I think it's somewhat neglected. But look at it with me, Colossians chapter 2, just two verses, 13 and 14, Colossians 2, 13 and 14, here we go. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that man is dead in trespasses and sins. Regeneration is what grants him new life, etc. We did that under the, under the assertion about believing in the Holy Spirit and regeneration, okay? We talked about that. You who were dead in your, your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. There's the forgiveness, okay? Now, now look at this. Okay, how did you accomplish that, God? How did, you, how did you get to the place where forgiveness would be available to the guilty? Look at this. <clears throat> um, by canceling the record of debt... Did you know you had a record of debt? Did you know you had one of those? Well, you sure did. And I hope it's in the past tense. Canceling the record of debt that stood against us, look at this, with its legal demands, your violations of law has made you legally condemnable. Canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he... How did you do that, God? How did, how did you uh, cancel the... This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. What a text! <clears throat> this he set aside. What, did he, what is this? The record of debt. What record of debt? Well, because of the legalities or the failure to obey law, an established law, a boundary set by an established law, and because we fail to observe it, we have been rendered guilty. And at that point, ladies and gentlemen, our greatest need is for forgiveness. You know, guys, the conflict between um, the, the offer of forgiveness, well, I, I mean, let me put it another The conflict between the desire for autonomy, because you see, ladies and gentlemen, it's not that men, the, the gospel promises freedom. But that's not what men are after. They're after autonomy. Those two are different. Autonomy is a word that means self-law. I want to be a law unto myself. The conflict between the desire for autonomy and the obligation to submit to the law of God. That, ladies and gentlemen, is at the root of the, of the human predicament. We are called to submit to a law, but we want autonomy. And autonomy is, I want to be a law unto myself. Gang, that's exactly what you see in Genesis 3. That is, um, um, Satan offers Adam and Eve a chance to be their own God. You shall be as God. And their very simple setting, I say simple, because you've got one command to obey. Don't eat of that tree. And their disobedience in their pursuit of autonomy was a piece of cosmic defiance which has rendered us guilty. And the greatest need that we have is for forgiveness. And what we say in the Apostles' Creed is that we believe in the forgiveness of sin. That's far more profound than I think it ever crosses, uh, occurs to us when it comes out of our mouth. I believe in the forgiveness of sin. And I have come to the realization that my greatest need is to be forgiven because I am a violator of a standard, a boundary established by a standard Known as God's law, that I choose, I chose to defy. And thus, there is a legal demand that created a record of debt that God has canceled by nailing it to a cross. Is that not glorious? Did you know that you are legally very, very exposed? Did you know that? How'd you get there? How'd we get there? Because we chose to violate boundaries that were established by law. To that, the gospel offers forgiveness. What man wants is autonomy, but the gospel offers the beauty of forgiveness and the freedom that comes from it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is freedom. What the world wants or what the unregenerate man wants is autonomy. I don't want to answer anybody for my actions, but the gospel offers a freedom that's associated with the claims of the gospel as a result of what God has accomplished as described right here. Now, guys, concerning this this guilt thing, understand (laughs) we're guilty because standards have been violated and it's made us very vulnerable legally before God. Um, However, there is a difference between guilt and guilt feelings. And I'm, I, it seems like, I, I, I think the people of God understand their guilt and are ready to own it. What they don't seem to be able to do very well with is guilt feelings. Gang, guilt is objective. Guilt feelings are subjective. We are objectively guilty. And the only remedy for that is what God accomplished by nailing something to a cross. But we continue this battle with ourselves over guilt feeling. I mean, if I've I mean, I've been in the ministry 48 years now or 46, whatever it is. And I haven't heard this every year or every week, or, but if, if I've heard it once, I've heard it 20 times in 48 years. Well, I know that God forgives me, but I just can't forgive myself. Don't you ever say that. That's, that is to deny the provisions of, oh, I know that God forgives me. You do. Well, then why are you saying that next clause? But I can't forgive myself. Very frankly, I don't give a hoot whether you can forgive yourself. What I want to know is, I'm guilty not before you or me, I'm guilty before God. You know, people said, say, well, I just I just let my conscience be my guide. Don't do that. That's awful. That is subjective autonomy. Well, you know, I got a conscience and I just I just let it lead me, and you know. These things that have become common in our parlance. Our foolishness. I know God forgives me, but I, I just let conscience be my God. Where'd you pick that up? Watching Oprah? Because, ladies and gentlemen, that, that isn't something that people who understand the provisions of the gospel ought to be thinking. Guys, um, you know, the Bible does make a pla- have a place for the conscience. We'll talk about it in a minute. But there are such a thing as desensitized consciences. They call them psychopaths. But there are also things that are, is more frequent in the religious world, of hypersensitive consciences. You know what we call that? We call that legalism. People who tell me something is wrong when the Bible doesn't tell me it is wrong. That's a conscience that is misoperating. Paul says, yes, indeed, the goal of our instruction is a a clean conscience. Yes. But never, folks, is the conscience to be made the ultimate test of righteousness. And that's what gets you in this silly thing called guilt feelings. You have a conscience that's not trained well, I, you know, I got my conscience being my guide and my conscience tells me, that, well, I'm sorry. But sometimes your conscience is out of sync with the scripture and that leads you to all kinds of illness spiritually and guilt feelings. Folks, if I go out and have an affair tomorrow, I better feel guilty because I have violated a standard a standard set by God. And if you go out and have an affair tomorrow and you don't feel guilty, hmm, then you have to question whether you're alive uh, spiritually. Folks, um, the Holy Spirit convicts, and he convicts according to his word. He's always in consistent with the word that he wrote when he convicts. But I have to tell you, Satan also convicts. Um, You know, Satan is not only a tempter, he he is a confuser. He gets the mind of God's people all jumbled up. He accuses. And he wants you to forget what you say once a month that you believe in, I believe, in the forgiveness of sins. And he would have you forget that. Um, guys, there's such a thing as true guilt, and there's such a thing as false guilt. There's such a thing as true peace, and there's such a thing as false peace. False peace brought on by Cheap grace and presumption. But guys, uh, that's why, and, and you may disagree with my strategy, I, I'm not saying I'm right even, um, but every week, every week you're going to get something about the gospel. Because although we, uh, are in, we, we, we grasp the doctrine of justification by faith intellectually, our psychology has not quite caught up with our theology. And so people who know and love the doctrines of grace and the doctrines of justification by faith would say something stupid like, well, I know God forgives me, but I just can't forgive myself. Well, that's just your own sinful, wicked, m- maltrained conscience in operation. You know, I, I wanted to write this up here five minutes ago, but this, uh, you know, we talk about sola scriptura. Well, one comedian talked about, and what, what we find in the culture today is not sola scriptura, but solo scriptura. I'm scripture. I told my grace group on Sunday night, I was uh, in a luncheon just recently in a dear guy in our church was um, having a luncheon appointment with some friends of his, old high school buddies, and they were talking about an issue and, um, that's clearly defined as sin in Scripture. We'll, we'll talk about it later, but uh, clearly uh, delineated as, as a violation of a standard. And the, the, the little guy that goes to church here looked at his friend. And he said, well, what do you do with the Apostle Paul? And the man said, well, I think he's wrong. That's solo scriptura. I determine what's wrong. That's called autonomy, ladies and gentlemen, and that's what we want. That's what the non-Christian world wants. But when you violate the standards, you become guilty. And God has made a provision for guilt, and it's described so beautifully um, in the Colossians 2 passage. I want to read you something from um, Anthony Hockma. He was an old Christian reform guy. Um, people talk about, you know, uh, we are all going to die, and what about that last judgment? Will our sins be remembered against us? Will they be revealed? And I want you to listen to what he says, because I thought this was really good. The failures and shortcomings of believers will enter into the picture on the day of judgment, but, and this is an important point, he says, The sins and shortcomings of believers will be revealed in the judgment as forgiven sins whose guilt has been totally covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So is your sin going to come up? Yeah. It's going to come up. and It's going to come up as a celebration of the extremes to which Jesus Christ went so that he can save somebody as rotten as I am. My sin's going to come up, but it's going to come up is forgiven sins. That's what we're believing in, folks. Forgiveness, the most prized possession of the believer. we got to move on. Oh, by the way, forgiveness does not equal innocence. We're not saying we're innocent. We're saying just the opposite. But we're forgiven from for the... Violations. <clears throat> okay, got to hurry. I believe in the, res- uh, the uh, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. Gang, the body or redemption includes the body. The body somehow is going to be involved in the, in, in the finality of Redemption. Um, Jesus speaks of a resurrection in Matthew 22, but he speaks of something else. We'll get to that in a minute. But what what is the resurrection body like? That's what we'd say we believe. I believe the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body. What is it like? Well, folks, I really can't tell you. The the Bible doesn't give us a, a bunch of clear information. What it does tell us Is that when we see him, we will be like him. So the resurrected body of Jesus Christ, that that you see a little bit in John in the closing chapters of John, is a is a um, paradigm for our resurrected bodies. Okay, so what do we know about the resurrected body of Jesus Christ? Well, we know that he was seen. We know that he talked and ate. Um, there is the suggestion that he possibly uh, went through a wall, although the text doesn't say that explicitly. That he went, but it appears that he did. Um, Jesus gives an invitation to Thomas to um, to touch the wounds in his body uh, that he had received from the cross, though the text never says. That Thomas actually did touch him. There were um, questions that arise uh, out of the apparent inability of Mary to recognize the risen cross on Easter morning. Uh, she's confused. She thinks he's the gardener. Well, why? I mean, she was a, a, a close associate of, of Jesus. Why? Well, maybe Maybe it was her emotional distress, or maybe there was some kind of substantial change in the appearance of Christ's body. The same thing occurs on the road to Emmaus. You remember those guys are walking along, and they don't, they don't recognize him. Why is that? Is it because of their, the tears in their eyes, or is it because that the, the resurrected body is somehow made to look differently? I don't know. Here's what I do know, Um, that that redemption includes the body, and we're told this. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. So that resurrected body that you saw, that I've given you a a little bit about, you're going to be like that. Um, but again, we don't get anything really, um, completely definitive about that resurrected body. Okay. But that's about all I can give you. Um, all right. Now this final phrase, this final clause, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Now guys, you need to see this. Yeah, I want you to turn in, in the gospel of Matthew to chapter 22. <clears throat> uh, let me show you a couple of things. Matthew chapter 22. Jesus is speaking um, uh, beginning in verse 29. And Jesus answered them, you were wrong because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, see it? They neither married nor are given in marriage. And as for the resurrection. Okay. Okay. Jesus is speaking about the resurrection matter-of-factly. Okay, uh, uh, I, I have used this as a, as a funeral um, passage because, folks, I know it's difficult for us to wrap our minds around what a resurrection is. I'm just saying that Jesus speaks about it with confidence. So what is it all going to look like? I'm not sure, but I believe in it. Because if Jesus is wrong about a resurrection, then there's not a whole lot else that we could trust him about. Now, I want you to flip over to Matthew chapter 29. It's not 29, 19. Um, All right, guys, look at uh, um, Matthew 19, uh, verse, we'll start with 27. Then Peter said in reply, Yes, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you. Now, guys, I don't know what word you have next in your translations. Some have the word regeneration, but the ESV has the word in the new world. Um, I think we read over that and think that that has to do with um, the resurrection. It does not. Um, Palin uh, Genesis, I think it's that word. It's not the Greek word for resurrection. It's that word. There's Genesis, which is um, beginning, and this is Palin, which means again. Now look at the text. Um, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the beginning again. Folks, that's not about resurrection. The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That is really not a reference to your resurrection upon your death. It's a, it's a reference to this. Uh, as I said, the, the ESV calls it in the new world. And Isaiah talks about it a couple of times in chapter 65 and chapter 66. He talks about the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus doesn't use that language. He simply uses this word in the new world. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth, and we're going to enjoy it. But that's about all the Bible tells us about it. You can go to Genesis, uh, Isaiah 65. You can go to Isaiah 66. It's mentioned. It, oh, it's mentioned in the book of Revelation. It's mentioned a couple of times in the book of Revelation uh, Revelation 20, Revelation 21. I saw the new heavens and the new earth. But that's, that's a different thing from your resurrection. Don't confuse those two. What we're saying is, when we say, I believe in forgiveness of sins, um, the resurrection of the body, that's about resurrection. This last clause of the Apostles' Creed is about the new heavens and the new earth, about that thing. What you're professing is that I believe that God has made forgiveness of sins available to somebody as undeserving as myself. And secondly, I believe that in redemption, my body is going to be included. What's it going to look like? I don't know. It's going to look like is. I'm going to be like him, and he, it appears he went through a wall. And Mary didn't recognize him, and those two guys, maybe they won't recognize me. I don't know that. I'm simply saying that when he appears, I will be like him. So my resurrected body is going to be like his resurrected body, and I've given you just about all I know about that resurrected body. So I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and... In addition to all that, I believe in the palingenesis. Um, in uh, Tolkien's um, great trilogy, um, uh, you know, you, I hope you saw the movies. But um, there is a, there's a, a statement, and I think it's Samwise Gamgee that says to Frodo, because he's, um, he's trying to encourage Frodo. I, I could have it wrong. It could be Frodo saying it to Samwise Gamgee. I, I forget. But, you know, it's toward the, the end of the third book. And, um, and I wish I could quote it perfectly, but I can't. But Tolkien, uh, it, but uh, Samwise Gamgee says to Frodo, Frodo, there will be a time when everything wrong will be made right. Not when you're resurrected, but in the palingenesis. Gang, many of you know the, the three terms, justification, sanctification, glorification. And, you know, I, I've, I've done this little diagram three times. Oh, no, more than the three. Justification, sanctification, glorification. You know, this is when I became a Christian, this is my life as a Christian, and this is uh, the end. And um, we sing a song in the Christian church. Oh, that will be glory for me, glory for me, glory for me. When by his grace, I shall look on his face. That will be glory, be glory for me. And we have a tendency to think that glorification has to do with us dying and going to heaven. And that's not true. If that is all glorification is, my dying and going to heaven, if that's all it is, then Satan wins. Because Satan has so marred creation, um, and me going to heaven is glorified. and if that's the, all of it, then we end up with a marred creation. In the palingenesis, every bit of the influence and the, and the harm that Satan has done to the creation that God made is going to be made Right? Everything wrong is going to become right. The, 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 the new heavens and the new earth are going to be set back in such a way that they are in a pre-Genesis 3 condition. That is glorification. And that's when all of the impact and the effects that Satan has had on men, on me and you, on the creation on the kingdom of God, all it's all going to be undone, but not when you die and go to heaven. That's big. <laughs> that's big, in the guys. All of that's going to be made right. In that, look at it. I mean, look what it. it, it he. Um, when Jesus said, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I don't understand that either. All I do understand, well, I don't know that I understand this either, but I know that this is a reference to the new heavens and the new earth. This is um, Jesus' version of Isaiah 65 and Isaiah 66. So, my brother and sister in Christ, what do you believe? Well, I'll tell you one thing we believe in. We believe in forgiveness, a forgiveness that we didn't deserve, a forgiveness forgiveness that is our greatest need. Um, My friend, when life ends for us, the only thing that we will want to know is not what is happening to your 401k, but we'll want to know is my sin forgiven. We say we believe it. We believe in the resurrection of the body, because from there, um, having my sin forgiven, my body's resurrected and I'm with him forever. Now, guys, may I say this, because I never want to miss an opportunity to say this. Um, You are sitting there thinking, oh, isn't it wonderful to be forgiven? It is. It's more than wonderful. You didn't deserve it. If you got what you deserve, you would perish. We're not going to get that because of that debt of the record of my transgressions um, that has that legal claim to it has been nailed to a cross. (laughs) He set it aside by nailing it to a cross. That debt of record's gone, you know. Okay, we love that part of the Christian message. Well, here's another part that we don't love as much. Is there anyone in this room for whom you are holding a grudge? You are duty bound to give what you've gotten. Oh, we sing great with great gusto about you know, I'm delivered, I'm going to heaven, I'm uh, forgiven. Yeah. But that very forgiveness that we didn't deserve that we now possess is a forgiveness that we're supposed to distribute. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, don't ever say, I fear, I fear for the condition of your soul if you say, I just can't forgive. It might take a while. We, we can live with that. But you must forgive. Just as you've been. It's just, it's what we're supposed to be, brother and sister. It's people who so enjoy the forgiveness that is ours that we labor and labor long to forgive those who have offended us. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. And, and I believe in Palingenesis. that's quite a redemptive story. Let's quit. Our Father, would you warm the hearts of your people? Would you remind them of how cherished we are? Not the slightest shred of which we earned or deserved. But that we are a people who have a forgiveness that we didn't deserve, didn't earn, didn't work for, and yet we go on to withhold forgiveness from those who don't deserve it? Oh God, forgive us. Forgive us that we would dream of holding on to that when we talk so readily about having received a forgiveness that we didn't deserve. But God, would would you remind your people that there is a resurrection? Jesus said so. And would you give us some smidgen of insight to the new heavens and the new earth which you're preparing for all eternity. We believe in forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. We thank you for all of it. and We do so in Jesus' name.